this morning for a few minutes under the heading of what it means to be filled with the Spirit of the living Jesus, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This topic, a key to your personal greatness, a key to your personal greatness. Put another way, a key to your strength, a key to your happiness, maybe even a key to recovery from weariness. Don't raise your hand, but I just wonder how many of us would have to say, there are parts of my life that are just bone-tired, bone-tired. When John the Baptist, who came in the spirit and power of Elijah, listed the one thing that the Messiah would be known for, here's what he said. And he, when he comes, when you're in his presence, when you have been engaged by him, here's how you will know he is the Messiah. He will drench you on the inside with his spirit, and with fire. He won't just be a prophet. He will be more than a prophet who delivers information. He will uniquely have the power to baptize you with his spirit and with fire. The word baptize means Hold them under till they bubble. Now, that's, that's the Baptist definition of baptize. That's my background. They, the professors made it very clear that we understood that baptize is not an original English word. It came from the Greek. And the Greek verb means to plunge, dip, or immerse i.e., hold them under till they bubble. Baptize means to get sopping wet. It means to get drenched. Can you walk outside without an umbrella, without a waterproof jacket in one of these rare, but they sometimes do happen, showers in South Texas in the summer? and expect to make it all the way to your car without an umbrella in pouring down rain and not to get soaked. How can you get soaked and not know it? How can you be baptized with the Spirit and not know it? Now, I realize to bring it up like that can cause some eyebrows to raise and and can cause folks to maybe wonder, where is he going with this? I just want to go straight to the Scripture one more time. All four of the Gospels, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four repeat what John says is the one distinguishing character of the meeting the Messiah. And that is that he will baptize people with his spirit and with fire. Jesus in Acts chapter 1, alive from the dead, no longer suffering, no longer buried, down from the cross, alive from the dead, says to the people, that are gathered around him, the followers, the ones that had watched all that had gone on and had heard all that had gone on. He said to them, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit or when the Holy Spirit 
has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of earth. And oh, we've quoted that verse many times these last few months. But what Jesus is, is saying to ones who knew that he died on the cross for them, who were believing in the fact that he was raised from the dead, fulfilling what Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 is the grace in which we stand, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Those who were listening to him believed that. They believed Jesus was their Savior. They believed that he was raised from the dead. They were saved. They were were in the process of the Spirit doing a work in them. The the Spirit drew them to Jesus. The Spirit brought conviction to their hearts. But it's to that group, believing in Jesus, going to heaven if they die, when they die, it's to that group that Jesus said, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It was not the Spirit's work for conversion, the Spirit's work of salvation. It's the Spirit's work of enablement. It's the Spirit's work of empowering to be something, to do something that they wouldn't be able to do if He didn't give them something that they didn't have. They were in Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. Remember, we've been over this. All the players were still in place. All of the ones who orchestrated the fake trials of Jesus, utilized their leverage with the Roman soldiers for him to be crucified, all this being allowed by heaven because there needed to be a sacrifice for our sins. But in their sense, the sense of those people they, they, were, they were doing what they thought they had to do to protect their religious understanding of, of God. But he was raised from the dead on the third day. All of those who were around when that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was spoken, they had tracked with him. They had been, they, they had seen these things. But they also were living in fear that... that that the same thing that happened to Jesus could happen to us. They were captured by their fear. For Jesus to say, you're going to be a witness for me in this very city where they killed me was making a statement that all those who heard him had to have been knocked back several steps and to themselves thinking, but Lord, we can't do that. We don't have the courage to do that. That's why Jesus said, there's power coming. There's an enabling coming. There's a set of abilities that you haven't had yet that it's the Father's heart to give you, but you shall receive ability when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be able to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem, folks. This this matter of being filled with the Spirit if it wasn't, if, if it's only something theoretical, if it's only something you can, you can have but you don't have to feel, then why in the world is the church so impotent today? Why is it that you and I can be so paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by what's the problem, what's the big deal about the name of Jesus? If all this filling of the Spirit was was just a set of concepts, just a little formula, just a little something that might work for some people, not necessary for everybody, then the situation of the church, the situation in many of our lives, cries out, there has to be more than it being just a mental thing. For Jesus to say, you shall receive power. You shall receive ability that you haven't had otherwise when the Spirit comes upon you. We find later, we learn later, 
Peter's giving an explanation of what's happening in Acts chapter 2, and he's saying, this Jesus raised from the dead to the right hand of the Father, he has received from the Father the promise of the Father. And it's the promise of the Father, this spirit of the exalted Christ being poured out upon us. That's why we're different. That's why the change has come. That's why we're talking and speaking in ways we didn't know how to speak before. That's why there's courage in our hearts and there's love in our hearts. It's because of the gift of the Spirit being poured out. Some folks get hung up. Well, how can you get saved without the work of the Spirit? You can't. You can't. You can't come to know Christ apart from the Spirit showing us we need Jesus. But that is not all the Spirit is intended to do in the life of the church. Peter will say in Acts 2, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he goes on to say, and you shall receive this gift, which is for you and for all your children, and as many as the Lord our God shall call unto himself. The cross was in the past. He wasn't talking about the promise of the cross, though it had been foreshadowed. It, it wasn't the promise of the resurrection. That's in the past. It is the promise of the heart of the Father to pour out the spirit of his exalted Son into the cleansed, forgiven, redeemed, washed vessels of the believers in Jesus, so that the very presence of Jesus, I do you can I say that one more time? So that the very presence of Jesus would fill the church. Not the things he said, not the memory of the miracles that he did, but his actual literal living presence, Jesus without a body, his spirit filling you. His Spirit drenching you. How in the world are we going to say, that's happened to me and I had never felt anything? That there hasn't been enough of a sense of someone bigger than me, some dimension beyond me, coming to take possession in me, fill me up with life, and me to just act like that's no big deal. Just check that off on the box. I did that when I was a... You, you read through the book of Acts, folks. And it's one page after another. It's one story after another of ordinary followers of Jesus who came to be possessed by the spirit of the living Jesus. And so that out through their lives, they were saying things with authority. They were knowing things that only God could have shown them. They were doing things and believing him for things that there's no way in a human sense they could have ever done them. It was by means of the filling of the spirit of the living Jesus. That's why we've been saying around here for this last while, there are two prayers that'll change everything. Two prayers that'll change everything. Two prayers that will change everything. First one is this. And there was the guarantee in the context of each that they will be answered. The first one, Jesus, save me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the power of the cross. That's the victory of the blood. That's the assurance of his being raised from the dead that we are no longer held in unforgiveness because Jesus was raised from the dead. We receive full, complete, total, eternal forgiveness and release from our sins. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Whosoever, whoever, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued. The second one is, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Now that I've been cleansed, now that the blood has washed me, now that he's working to renew my spirit, Lord, I'm asking you to take possession of me. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. With that as 
an introduction. Would you find your way to the passage that we spent some time on last week, but we just didn't, weren't able to do it justice? 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 16. As far as we know, these are the last words that the Apostle Paul wrote. He would be released from prison, but then he would be recaptured and he would be put to death for his faith in Christ. The last letter of the Apostle Paul is 2 Timothy, and we read the final words in chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, he says, no one supported me. No one stood on my side. No one stood up for me. No one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Some left him, some deserted him for good reason. Some deserted him for not so good reason. Bottom line, when the greatest trial perhaps that he had faced up until that time in his life came upon him, there was nobody, no human being standing with him. No one there to encourage him. No one there to vouch for him. No one just to be present with him. But all deserted me. Then he says in verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and encouraged me, strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear the message of Christ. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to note in your Bible, if you will, please, or write these words down on a separate page, if you like, four verbs. Four verbs in verse 17. The first one is stood. The second one is strengthened. Third one is accomplished. The fourth one is delivered. The Lord stood with me, and the Lord strengthened me, and the Lord accomplished through me, and the Lord delivered me. Now, the order is very significant. We would like to have the Lord reverse the order. Do I get a witness? First off, deliver me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Deliver me. And, and, and then, then you can accomplish something with me, and then I'll be strengthened, and then I'll know you're standing with me. But the Lord stood with me. The enemies were arrayed. The threats were in place. He had no human resources to turn to, to look to. And then he makes this incredible statement. But the Lord stood with me. How did he know? How did he know? How did he know the Lord was standing with him? Jesus had said, when the Spirit of the Lord, when my Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive ability, power, ability, ability to know certain things, ability to hear certain things. Ability to do certain things. 
He knew that the Lord was there because he felt the presence of the Lord. This is not speaking of some academic pursuit, some systematic theological compartment. God is everywhere present. God is omniscient. God is all over the place all of the time. There is an omnipresence of the Lord, and then there is a manifest presence of the Lord. He is everywhere all at the same time, but he's not everywhere felt at the same time. But in this place, in this setting, where Paul didn't have anybody, he didn't have any human resource, he says, I knew that the Lord was standing with me. The Lord opened his eyes, gave him the ability to see that it was the resurrected Christ, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who stepped out on nothing and said, let there be and the lights turned on. That one was standing with him. The verb is very specific, stood with me. Not stood at a distance from me or walked by in the general vicinity but kept on going. There was a permanency. There was a permanency. We don't know how long Paul went through this. We don't know how long he was incarcerated, how long this particular season was going on. But what he says is, this is what I knew. I knew that where I was, Jesus was standing. Oh, folks, the difference that that can make, the overwhelming, the, 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 the impossible, the endless ordinary, all changes when there is the sense, but the Lord stood with me. There may be some of you that can feel very alone in your business assignments, in the work that you've been given. It's not that people around you don't care about you, your family doesn't care about you. They just don't understand how when you show up at work, there's a whole fresh set, a whole volume of unsolved problems, and you're supposed to be the answer to every one of those problems. What do you do? Oh, folks, if you don't hear anything crying out from this preacher, don't lock Jesus up in your Bible and leave him on a shelf and then go to work. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Where you are, he cares about. It doesn't matter how pagan it is. It doesn't matter how godless it is. It doesn't matter what the authority over it seems to say and think and feel. Think about where Paul was. Pagan Rome. Making the citizenry confess that the emperor is God. How far off is that? But in the middle of all of that paganism, in the middle of all of that godlessness, in the middle of everything arrayed against decency and order and the cause of Christ, Paul stands in trouble for his faith. But there was somebody else in the room. There was somebody else in the room. Can I say it one more time? There was somebody else in the room. And nobody else saw him except Paul. But the Lord stood with me. Wherever you are, whatever your burden, whatever your weight, whatever your challenge, whatever the assignment, You are there because some way or another the Lord opened doors. The Lord allowed for circumstances. The Lord put a dream in your heart to dare to believe something particular from him. And you are not an orphan. You have the privilege 
we have the glorious privilege of taking it seriously. And when Jesus said in Luke 11, everybody who knocks gets an answer at the door. Everybody who asks will get an answer, the answer. And everybody who seeks is going to find. And you work your way down through them. Jesus next says, says it, it, a loving parent is not going to give to a child who's asking for a piece of bread, not going to give them a snake. Whatever they... They're not going to give them something mean. They're going to respond to the request as best they can. Then he finishes that section in Luke 11, verse 13, verse 13, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking him? Give the Holy Spirit for strengthening. Give the Holy Spirit in essence and at the heart of it all. Give the Holy Spirit to make the nearness of Jesus real to you. Felt. 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 Well, sometimes we, we, we back way away from that word. But folks, listen, why would the Spirit have been given in the, in, in the first place? We, we already had a written scripture, a written, written scripture. The scripture would be the New Testament would be written, but we already had all the Old Testament written. Why would, why would the prophets say, there's a time coming. <laughs> there's a time coming when God is going to write his law across your heart. It won't just be left in a, in a scribe's book or scroll God's going to write, he's speaking of the new covenant, the new covenant being the work of the Spirit, that the Lord is going to, by his Spirit, cause his commandments, his instructions to find a home in your heart. He'll work over your want to so that your want to wants him, the work of the Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Spirit that I may feel your presence. Bottom line, end of story, that's it. The outpouring of the Spirit is to make it possible for you where you live, where you work, in the middle of whatever you're going through, to feel the presence of the living Christ, who the devil tried to destroy, keep in the grave, Peter would say, since it was found that it was impossible for the grave to hold him, it is the spirit of that one who desires for you to know his nearness to you. I mentioned this earlier, a key to your personal greatness, a key to your personal greatness. You're in difficult situations, challenges over your head. You know you don't have the ability to do what is required of you. But you're aware that what is really being asked of you is something that if you're to do it, God's going to have to enable you to be able to do it. So in that place... You begin to pray, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. We don't know exactly how it was that the Lord strengthened Paul. He may or may not have spoken anything to his spirit, but here's what happened. Just the sense of the living Jesus with him resulted in power, fresh power being put into him. He stood with me and he strengthened me. Do you need strength today 
to keep going with the God-given assignment, with the mission that you have, with the lot in life that you have that's come your way. Do you need strength? Do you need strength? Do you need strength? How fruitless it is for us to be staring at ourselves and being fussing at ourselves, disgusted with ourselves, shamed with ourselves that we don't have any more strength to be what we feel like we're supposed to be in a situation. The good news is the Lord knows the limits of our inabilities. The Lord knows the lack of our strength. That's why Paul had to say in a place where I didn't have anybody, there was no human support. I became aware that the Lord was standing with me. And as I was aware that he was standing with me, I got strength from that. I was strengthened by the sense of his presence. Strengthened by the sense of his presence. You don't get the sense of his presence, you don't get the strength. You get the sense of, sense of his presence and strength happens. So this, this business of, well, I don't, some people may want to pray for the filling of the Spirit, but, you know, that's just not for me. Well, then go find, just great, big boy. Just, just rip, snort in the life and, uh, like you've been doing. And how's it working for you? Or are there some places deep in our hearts where we know we need help? We know we're weak. We know it's going to be the same old, same old unless something comes out of heaven and gives me a dose of strength I don't have. It is available to you. Do you hear me? It is available to you. It is available to you. It is available to you. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. With what? With the sense of your presence. And as I sense his presence, I'm going to be strengthened. And as I'm strengthened, Paul goes on to say, then I was able to continue on and accomplish the mission that the Lord had given me, that the gospel would be preached throughout the Gentile world. We fall short in our accomplishing because we've lost our strength and we've lost our strength because we don't sense his presence. We've got a marked up Bible. We've got discipleship manuals all over the place, but we just have no sense of his presence. A mark of greatness, a mark of Paul's greatness, but the Lord stood with me. See, we get it backwards, don't we? Lord, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. Whatever you got to do, deliver me. Get me out of this mess. Get me out of this frying pan. Get me out of this prison. Get me out of this. Deliver, 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 deliver. Not realizing that that's number four in the list of four. What if it is before you ever get delivered? He wants to bless you with a heaven on earth experience where nothing has changed nobody's gotten sweet the prison door is still locked in a sense whatever that may be but you are unmistakably aware that the Lord is standing with you you take that you'll run with that the rest of your life you'll never forget that season in your life they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, listen, and by the word of their testimony, and they love their lives not even unto death. God's given you a testimony. He's given you something that Satan has to back off when you didn't quit, you didn't give up, you didn't run because you sensed the presence of the Lord right where you are. Now, don't, don't, be, don't be limiting that just to a crowded church service with everybody in their hands up in the air and we're swaying to the music and we sense, you know, a sweetness in the place. That, that's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. But that's not what he's talking about right here. You sense the presence of the Lord and it's a good thing. When we sense the presence of the Lord in the midst of a great congregation. But that's different than this. Paul said, nobody, there was nobody, there was nobody. Do we hear that? How much of nobody do we get? 
but the Lord stood with me. You talk about a place where he'll prove his singular love for you, where he will reveal to you the greatness of his power just for you, not to immediately correct everything, but to do something. You know it has to be the power of God. He lifts the sense of the burden. He lifts the sense of, 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 of ultimate defeat just because you have the sense of his presence. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. It's so good when I sense your presence that it sounds crazy, folks, but I've heard many say this. I didn't want to leave that place with the sense of his presence to go to a place where I, I, I knew I wouldn't be pressed into him after everything got solved, after everything was better. The Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. Folks, listen. That's the secret to your greatness. Your greatness is going to be proven not in the easy places that all everybody else is going, not, 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 in, the, not in the flat places or the gentle slope down or little slope up, but where it's impossible, where it's hard, where, where the, the folks are going through similar things, looking in different directions than you're looking, but where it makes no sense for the joy of the Lord to be your presence, where it makes no sense for you not to cut and run, but to stay there. It's a secret to your greatness because you sense that the Lord is standing with you. I don't know who this is for, but I'm telling you, it's for somebody, and there's some folks out there around the world, wherever you may be, but strongly in my spirit, there was a sense that there'd be some folks and maybe just one person, not in this room physically, but would be listening somewhere. And you need to hear this because the Lord wants to bless you. He wants to show up. He wants to make his presence known. But the Lord stood with him. How did Paul know that? Was he imagining that? Was that just a happy thought? Or was that a reality of the manifest presence of Jesus? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was a demonstration of the manifest presence of Jesus, the felt, demonstrable presence of Jesus. And what was meant for Paul is meant for us for today. So he, last of all, delivered. Now, let me show you. Why don't you look at another, another writing of Paul, another verse from Paul. Go, go to Philippians 4. Turn back to the left a few pages. Philippians chapter 4. He's writing in prison again. Paul spent a lot of the years of his life in prison, separated, alone, in most cases, in many cases. But notice what he writes. This is verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Always. And again, I say rejoice. The word for rejoice comes from the word for grace, charis, or grace. It is as if we are to understand that joy in the life of the Christian springs from the demonstrations of God's grace in our lives. Not necessarily from the circumstantial things, the presence or absence of material things or people, but our joy comes from the unchangeable reality that what God has done by His grace in choosing us, in forgiving us on the cross, in determining that he has a good plan for a future and a hope for us, in declaring that we've got a seat at the Father's table in the Father's house, we have a room in the Father's house. That's what Paul's saying. You rejoice in the Lord, and I'm telling you, you do it some more, and you just keep on rejoicing in the grace of God towards you because nothing can change that. Nothing can steal that. That's the eternal reality what comes from him. But then he continues on. Let your forbearance, your forbearing spirit, your ability to put up with things be known to all men. And then this line, the Lord 
is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now, chew on that a minute. The Lord is at hand. It literally means the Lord is here. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Again, Paul references the felt presence of the living Jesus. You can rejoice easier and more and more completely when there is the sense standing with you, near to you, is the one who dispensed all that grace upon you. It's not old. It hadn't passed away. It's fresh, and it's fresh because the one whose presence you sense is reminding you of how much he loves you and what he's forgiven you from and what your future looks like and where your home, new home address is going to be. The Lord is at hand. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you felt the Lord's presence at hand? The sad thing is that we, we answer that or we try to answer that and we go back to a church service or we go back to a youth camp or we, or we go back to something, something, something way back yonder. Folks, the bottom line is the book of Acts is written recording the stories of ordinary believers involved in difficult situations, challenging situations, but the only reason that we even know about them is that they lived this. Lord, I can't go into this day without the sense of your presence. I don't want to go to noon without the sense of your presence. I need your enabling, Lord, because of the things arrayed before me that I won't ever be able to do unless you give to me the ability to do it. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. The Lord is at hand. Then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. Now, how stupid a statement is that if there wasn't a context for it? Before he ever says be anxious for nothing, he says the Lord is here. The God of all creation is here. The one who was so strong, the grave was not powerful enough to hold him. The Lord is here. And on the basis of the presence of the Lord felt, be anxious for nothing. No category should intimidate you. No category should knock you back. Nothing should cause your spirit to be troubled. And to, because you're sensing the Lord at hand. He says, go on and just lay it out. Be anxious for nothing, but in every, everything, but in everything, everything that comes up, everything that bothers you, everything that works, you put that out before the Lord. Prayer, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then he says an amazing thing. And the peace of God, God's peace God's very own peace, not the peace of people, not the peace of us, that we get, we get peace when everything works out. We get peace when we get a reverse to the doctor's prognosis. We, we, we get peace laterally, the peace of God. You, you unload everything onto the Lord, and he will swap his peace for your anxiety. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God surrounding and guarding with drawn swords facing outward your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, 
because the Lord is at hand. That's where we start. Lord, I need your presence. I need the sense of your presence. Lord, will you fill me? Lord, will you cause me to know your presence? Then the next step is much easier than just reading this verse all by itself. I command you to be anxious for nothing. Well, that's hard, if not impossible. But when it comes from the sense of Paul saying, since the Lord is at hand, you don't have to be anxious for nothing, for anything. Since the Lord is here, since the Lord stands ready, since the Lord is where you are, he's aware of everything. He's got all power. You're not going down because he's not going down. You're not going down because he's not going down. You're not going down because he's not going down. And then the peace of God which passes all understanding. In other words, you know, button-down brain, sir, you're not going to be able to understand this if you get it. It's beyond the brain. It's beyond the human reasoning. The peace of God that passes all understanding will garrison your heart and your mind, your heart, the emotion, your mind, and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Because of the sense of the Lord's measurable felt presence. I'm going to end with one other passage of Scripture. Isaiah 40. Find that in your Old Testament if you would. Isaiah chapter 40. Let me just read through these verses and we finish with this. The prophet writes, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable beyond any kind of research. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I want to suggest to you that Proverbs, excuse me, Isaiah 40, 31 is a prophecy of what would happen as the Spirit would be poured out upon the church as an expression of your birthright and mine all these centuries later. Notice the meaning of the word. Yet those who wait for the Lord. It's English translated, wait for. But here's the Hebrew translation. Yet those who are bound together by twisting with the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Bound together by twisting. You know, twisting cords, twisting a, 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 a tie-down thing. A tie, you know, when you put things together. Bound together by twisting. Is that not the same thing as, Lord, your spirit bound together with my spirit, twisted together, bound as one, united as one. Those who are bound together as one with the sense of the Lord's presence, they get new strength. And the word for new there doesn't mean microwaved old strength, reheated old strength, taken out of the freezer and hooked old strength. It's brand new strength. You say, how, how necessary is this? How necessary is it to sense the presence of the Lord through the routine things and the regular deals of our lives and the things we're facing How important is it? It's just a matter of how important it is to you. How much of a longing is there for what you're worried about, what you're concerned about, to stop owning you 
The, 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 the point here is, 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 is not that here's a way to get this stuff immediately lifted. Here's how to get immediately rich. Here's how to get the devil to never bother you again. It, it's Finances stay the same, maybe. Devil's still ticked off with all of his minions and crowd out there trying to get after you. <laughs> but the Lord is standing with you to hell with the rest of it. The Lord is standing with you. That is a key to your greatness because our greatness or the lack thereof is proven not in the easy places, but in the tight places, the hard places, the fiery places, the lonely places. A key to your greatness. Lord, I need your presence. A key to your strength. A key to your happiness. Agapolius, just, just, you think he's just, he's just drying up in that jail cell, and here he's saying a thing. He writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And let me just make sure you understood what I just said. Rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is at hand. And because the Lord is at hand, you lay out the things that are burdening you. You lay out the things that worry you, but you give them to him so they don't have to own you anymore. And in response, he swapped your anxiety with his, for his peace. And his peace sets up a guard detail with drawn swords and weapons pointed outward and your heart and your mind are fixed on the inside of that. He'll guard you with his peace. That doesn't make a lick of human sense. Bring it, Lord. Amen. Bring it, Lord. Master, Master, please, will you make these things real? To us. Will you do these things in us, Lord, and for us? We, we don't want to run. We, we don't want to vacate the assignment. We, we, we don't want to harbor the wrong attitudes, but for that to happen, Lord, we need to sense your presence. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. As David would say, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence because of his presence. I am not shaken. I am not shaken. I am not moved. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.